talking I'll tell everything I know Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Uh, with me always is Jason. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm just very happy, Brian, because of our guests that we just mm-hmm. got a chance to talk to and it's one of our favorite people from one of our favorite bands and yeah i'm happy how are you doing i'm good i'm real good yeah um i think last intro i, I, I talked about waylon jennings and merle haggard that i got their compilation uh cds and been listening to waylon a lot and no i haven't got around to merle haggard but that uh, listen to waylon reminded me of uh, I obviously remember the first couple of Shooter Jennings records, um, and I've been back listening to some of that stuff. He's done like a lot of like kind of different, weird, kind of experimental stuff, and but those first two records are great. So, so produced. I like good. how you came came ready with um, the um, the props. Yeah. Today, and I had more too. I was gonna that we didn't get. I was just laughing. I thought that was cool because I, I like. I like when we talk to people, it's not so great for the audience at times, but we talk right. to people and we're looking at stuff. Nobody can see it except us. It's our little secret. Right. So, <laughs> but and, hey, get, go ahead, go, go for it. I'm going to let, well, I'm going to let you take off and announce it this well, time. Well, Dave Cobb produced those two, for, two first, uh, those shooter records, Shooter Jennings and 357s. And, you know, he did, uh, he did, uh, a couple of Whiskey Myers records, uh, uh, um, early morning shakes and mud and uh he also produced uh, the last record of one of our favorite bands and do we want more shout or should we just segue right into it Let, let's segue right into our guest uh today and like i always get to announce people and let you just you take it away it's your show so, yeah so um you know there's this cool tour coming up uh band is celebrating a 10-year anniversary of uh, what most of their fan base thinks is, uh, you know, their best record. And we are over the moon to have back on the podcast, Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke. They're going to be touring on the Whippoorwill album, which I, once again, I, you know, I, most of us think that that's their best record. Um, it's going to be great to, you know, for, if we get to, I know you're going to go, I might be going um, to, to see that in its entirety. I know the one thing, and I wasn't going to point it out, but they did they, they did the pandemic jam when they usually mm-hmm. do the homecoming and, and, and at the at the tabernacle, and they did play that mm-hmm. there all the way through. So, but um, yeah, that's going to be great. It's going to be cool. And no, what uh, is always you know a treat to talk to talk to Charlie, and he's just like one of the dudes, and um, just easy to chat with. Like this time around, 
wasn't nervous the first time because we'd already met him, talked <laughs> to him. So it was a lot, of, just a just a conversation. Um, I love the Whippoorwill. It's the first album I actually became aware of Blackberry Smoke with the first actually the album that I got and pulled me into them. Now, the thing that drove me over the top with Blackberry Smoke was when I got the Leave a Scar Live record and like realized in the DVD how fantastic of a live band they are. And I was just all in. But classic album. I mean, you've got Six Ways of Sundays, Pretty Little Lie, uh, One Horse Town, Ain't Much Left of Me, The Whippoorwill, Lucky Seven, Leave a Scar, Crimson, I mean, Crimson Moon. Like there's so many <laughs> tracks they still play at their shows mm -hmm. today from that record. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, they... they... Like I said, uh, you know, ain't, mu ain't much left to me, show closer. Um, that'll be a little different this tour, <laughs> you know, because it's, you know, uh, it's a five on the record. Um, so that'll be a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, they're always, you know, Sleeping Dogs is always in there, is always in the set, uh, you know, so. Well, well and, and too, One like, Horse Town so I know is usually in the set every time it, it's a, it's a big hit and um i mean there's a really a lot of in tracks are still playing to this day it's just a, a record i think to your point brian most blackberry smoke fans this is their favorite one and to have to have an artist go through or a band go through and play like a an album like an apex album start to finish is a very very rare thing and so they're on tour now or well yeah they're on tour now because you're going to hear this on october 7th even though we're recording on october 5th so friday october 7th in cleveland ohio is the start on that tour it goes all the way um it goes it goes into december i know they have some mixed stuff in but they're still playing in december kind of all over the place so if they're anywhere near you go to blackberrysmoke.com to tour check out where they're playing get your tickets and go because again they're playing start to finish that album plus other hits on top of it, as you'll hear, hear Charlie talk about. I didn't. I didn't realize that that the opening night is the seventh on Friday when this comes out. It is. They're That's starting with awesome. Cleveland, so we'll let Cleveland. We'll let them get the kinks out in Cleveland because Cleveland deserves it. Just kidding, <laughs> Cleveland. The next night they're playing in my old stomping grounds in Cincinnati. I'm going with some friends. I cannot wait. I'm excited. Yeah, so you guys are enjoying this as always. Uh, one, I won't mention who, but because uh, you guys will find out in the episode. But uh, very pleased to hear Charlie give give a good uh, nod to uh, a great band, also that he watched uh, at at uh, at Firewater, and it's very cool to hear him say that. And I'm sure I know they'll be uh, impressed to hear it as well. So you guys can kick back, relax as always, and listen to uh, yet another conversation with Charlie Starr. segment of the podcast and jason's going to tell you guys introduce our guest here today oh man i am so excited to have this guest back on he's one of our favorite people from our favorite band here for round two mr charlie star from blackberry smoke how you doing man great how are you guys good 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 we're talking to you i mean we can't be any better <laughs> oh thank you bless you 
Well, <laughs> first of all, it's great that Britt's back. We just wanted to say that we're glad he's okay. That's that's tremendous and uh, yeah, awesome, awesome as always. Yeah, thanks, man. He scared us, but uh, yeah, can't keep him down. He's he came back swinging. So <laughs> uh, he was just waiting for the doctor. He he felt great the okay. like the third day. He was just waiting for the doctors to give him the the high sign. You know, no, when it that, is when that happened. Everybody. Like he realized it was happening and he got to the hospital or yes. Cool. Yeah. We had flown home. We, we were, um, we had just started the tour with Jamie Johnson. I think we had played three shows and we had a couple of days off and most of us with kids when, when you have, when you have more than one day off, you get your ass home uh, yeah. or else, you know, you're at, you're uh, in trouble. But um, so a few of us flew home to take care of family stuff, you know, and, Apparently he uh, was at home and he was like, man, I feel horrible. And uh, his wife was like, uh, you look your colors off. And then I think he said, you know, my arm started to hurt. And oh, it's just like, we've all seen Superman, you know? <laughs> and uh, he was, I think they both were like, "Uh Oh, something's wrong. Let's call it. So he called the ambulance immediately. And uh, he told them what was going on. So they were prepared, you know? Mm -hmm. And when they got there, they were like, oh, boy, you are having a heart attack. And they got there like in four minutes from wow. uh, from Emory, which is a great hospital in Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, but they, they took care of him. They took him there straight away and um, got him got him treated, got a stent in. And uh, they were like, this was the big one, man. This was the this was the widow maker. Wow. You're you're extremely fortunate. It is crazy how far the medical technology has come now to mm -hmm. be able to go in and get a and like you're out of the hospital in a day or two. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And he, they kept him, he was in intensive care for a day and a half, like the rest of that day through the night and then into the next day. And then um, I think they moved him to a, a regular room, you know, for, just a few more days. And then they were like, Jeez. okay, so good. And a uh, funny thing. Um, so many people, you know, reached out it, initially it was, uh, um, just a few of us kind of knew, you know, and, uh, and then when we made the announcement that he, cause he wasn't going to be able to come back and do the shows, you know, it, and, um, Ricky Medlock texted and was like, and he knows Brit well, you know, and loves him. And he's like, Hey man, tell Brit that, uh, that uh, Gary's got a bunch of them stints and he's still kicking ass. So everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to tell him that yet. I mean, I'm going to wait a few days. <laughs> but I did I mean, tell him and he was like, that doesn't make me feel that much better. I mean, you know, it's, but it, he was joking. Uh, he, he is aware, like throughout this whole thing, he's the same thing you just said. He's like, man, it's just, a, it's incredible what can be accomplished now. Mm -hmm. Well, they used to have to cut you open, pull your chest open, and totally. then, like run a bypass. Right? It's crazy. Totally. Thank, thank God they can do what they can do now. Yeah, they went in through his wrist, right there, all the way up into his heart. Wow. Crazy. It's, yeah, my dad had something similar about a year ago. The same thing as like you know, got in, recognized the sign. They did the stint, and a couple of days later, he's back home and kicking. It's it's yep. Well, we're glad he's okay, and we're glad he's coming back because you. The reason we want to talk to you today is you got a huge tour, a cool tour coming up here for this tenth anniversary of the Whippoorwill. Yeah, man, we're excited. Um, it kind of snuck up on everybody the ten year mark, mm -hmm. you know, because um, it really just doesn't feel like it's been that long. But um, 
then it was like, well, what do we do that's special? You know, and uh, we thought, well, I mean, just playing the album will be fun because we've never played those songs in that order. It's it's so strange to go back and look at it now. You know, I'm like, what? That's weird. <laughs> and I, I was like, I was like, who put the album? Who do who chose this running order? And it was like, oh wait, that was me. <laughs> uh, but it's cool. I mean, um, and you know, we'll do the we'll. Sorry, you go ahead. I'm I'm probably answering a question. That no, you, no, we want oh, you to ahead. talk. You don't need to hear us. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to oh. play the. I think it's uh, advertised this way that we'll play the record and uh, and then play, you know, seven or eight favorites after to, you know, we'll do it. We'll still do a two hour show, but you got it. You got to play all the hits and we're making a black cross joke. We love the cross. Yeah. Yeah. We um, we'll have to. It's very similar, I guess. You know, um, it was a funny thing to see that happen, too. You know, um, I didn't. I. Uh, I've seen two of the Shake Your Money Maker shows, uh, one in Nashville and one here in Atlanta. And uh, when I went and played with them, we didn't do that. We just played like festival yep. sets. And uh, I kind—I was kind of bummed. I was like, I, I really want to play that whole record. Really? Really? Because I've, well, it's very nostalgic, you know. I'm, sure. I love that record. and. I never thought I'd see them play strut and blues and could I've been so blind ever. And yeah. so it's so cool to see it happen. And then I thought I want to play those songs there. I mean, you know, they're just, they're great. Strut and blues was great live, right? Cause you're right. They never hardly played that song live ever. And they killed it. Killed it. We, uh, we all love that you, you got to do that. And I, the first show they were streaming and I believe and, were like they flashed to you for just a second, like, well, who's playing guitar? Who's playing guitar? And it's like, oh, the 72 album, like, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, the uh, we're... well, it was um, it was really um, obviously an honor to get to play yeah. those that music with those guys. And um, uh, at first, it was going to be a, a full on Canadian run. Um, and we had some time off. It was timed perfectly. It's perfectly the way it worked out because we Blackberry Smoke was off. And uh, Rich reached out and was like, hey, man, Isaiah's going, he's going to Europe. And we were going to take this month off. But now we have, uh, now we have some, some work. Can you do it? And I was like, absolutely. Uh, and then the Canadian tour went away at that point um, because of COVID. So uh, we were, they were left with five shows and uh, Kimmel. Um, which was great. I mean, I can't complain. I would have loved to have done a whole run of Canada with them, you know, but uh, yeah, it actually made my job easier because the full tour would have been the uh, maker, the shake your money maker. And then I, cause at first the set list I got was like 50 songs to learn. <laughs> <laughs> that it. <laughs> yeah. And then when, uh, and then when it got chopped, you know, to the five shows, it was like, okay, well, this is going to be different because we're not going to do shake your money maker. So we'll probably do something like this. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot less work for me, but, um, but it, I would have loved it either way. Well, you played some of those songs before too, either with Blackberry Smoke or with Rit. Like you've played like yeah. Wiser Time and some of the other stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And when I was a teenager, we played, uh, I was in a cover band and we played Jealous Again, Twice as Hard, Hard to Handle, Sister Luck. She Talks to Angel. I mean, we- Well, shit, half that record. 
Yeah, we played the whole record. And then when Southern Harmony came out, we were like, oh, my God, this is even better. And then we played Remedy and Thorn of My Pride and Hotel Illness. And it was, so uh, uh, with this uh, being uh, the tour about the Whippoorwill, we want to ask you about the that record and when from conception to completion and how the songs came about and, and all that great stuff. So it'd be great if you could uh, chat with us about that. Yeah. Um, well, we had come off um, a really frustrating uh, period of time with with the Blackberry Smoke experience. Uh, you know, we 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 made our first record uh, with Jesse Dupree from Jackal, and we toured with them, and then and then we uh, it was it was it was a uh, time to make a second record, and that took a while, and and uh, we like recorded a bunch of demos, and then we signed a production deal with Dan Huff in Nashville and then wound up making our second record, which was just a whole shit show. It was so strange and we never had a record deal. And part of making that record was contingent upon having a record deal. And it, the business got really complicated. And I remember thinking, I don't want any part of this. I didn't get into to, uh, being in a band to, to deal with this weird political, uh, label agenda kind of shit, you know? Um, so that was lost on me. So, but we, we finally were able to release that one. Um, and then we, you know, we, we were on a couple of different independent labels and one of the guys went to prison that owned the label. And then another guy died and it was really, a it was a whirlwind. It was topsy turvy of us trying to get a foothold and not seem, not seeming to be able to. And then all of a sudden, uh, Zach Brown, he had, he he hit. Sorry, that's my wife. She just came in. Did you see how I snapped at her and barked an order at her? You're you're gonna pay sorry, for that later. Sorry, honey. I know you are. <laughs> anyway, hey, will you shut these doors? Um, Brian and I have dogs bark and all this shit happens in our house. It's yeah, like our our listeners are used to like domestic shit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, thanks, babe. So uh, Zach Brown Band had really blown up. You know, uh, right at that time. Yeah. with um chicken fried and the whole zach brown band experience was launched and zach uh, and we knew him and his band you know and he came to brit one day and was like what's going on and brit was like man we were just really trying to find a home you know where we find ourselves floundering as far as a place a label to to be able to create and make music and and uh, distribute it to people um we were we're homeless again as far as a label and he's like I'm going to start a label and I'm going to sign all these bands that I love my friends, you know, that people that I love and respect. And it was like the Wood Brothers and Levi Lowry and uh, Sonia Lee and Clay Cook, just all these people that were involved. It was kind of like a Capricorn situation. That's what I think I, I, I'm not trying to put words into Zach's mouth, but I think that's what the way he was envisioning it was a Capricorn kind of thing, like a, uh, the Atlanta version. And that's exactly what he did. So Southern Ground Records is what he launched. And uh, he said, uh, we were like, we are ready to go make a new record because we've been waiting to make one for three years. We've been touring and, and wondering what we could do, you know, how we'd be able to release it other than just out of the trunk of our car. And uh, he said, uh, by all means, yes. And he's, he, he's the one who said, I think you should check out Echo Mountain Recording Studios in Asheville, North Carolina. It's an old church. 
and uh, and we said okay so um i think we went and met with the people there and were knocked out by just the vibe of the room you know and then zach basically long story short he's like uh here's the here's the here's the keys to the studio go make the record you want to make which at that point i was like Okay, well, we just came out of a situation where people were starting to try to tell us what to do, and we hated it. So, and we were like, "Uh, uh-uh, no, you know what? We don't want any part of this." Um, and that's why, like, we dipped a toe in in Nashville, and then we're like, "Fuck that! This is not the way we operate. We don't need people to tell us how we need to be." Zach didn't do that. He's like, "You go be you," and he said, "I'm sending Clay and Matt with you." And because we were like, well, we're, we'd like to produce a record. We'd already come out of a, a little bit more of a heavy-handed situation. A little, not bad. I love Dan and, he, and Justin Ebeck. They're great. But we wanted full control, you know. And he said, okay, I'm sending Clay and Matt with you to make sure it sounds good. <laughs> and uh, you do what you want to do. And we actually did go to his uh, his garage, which is like a hangar at that point, Zach's and, and set up in a circle. And he's like, play me all your songs. He said, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear a cassette or a CD of the songs at that point. That was 2009 or 10. He's like, just play me the songs. And we, uh, we, we ran down 22 songs, I think. And it was all, it was, wow. it was six ways to Sunday and one horse town and ain't much left to me and the whippoorwill and pretty little lie. And um, just all these songs we've been just about to burst at the seams, wanting to get all this stuff recorded you know um and and i was just remembering this the other night i was talking about the song shaking hands with the holy ghost which i had written a long time before it was actually before blackberry smoke was even a band um the 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 structure of that song anyway i finished the lyrics uh when we started to record the whippoorwill but so I started playing that and, and it, we were about to break for dinner, which was really late, like midnight. And uh, everybody's in there like smoking cigars and drinking beer and having a good time. And we started that song and I saw Zach Brown just stop in his tracks, like walking out and he turned slowly. And like we went through about half of it and stopped. And he goes, what the fuck is that? And I said, <laughs> uh, it's a. Uh, it's, it's going to be called shaking hands with the Holy ghost. And he's like, that's my damn favorite of all of these, which to me is kind of odd mm-hmm. a, a little maybe. Um, but that one spoke to him more than all these other songs, you know, where that was really cool, but uh, it wasn't even one that was even finished at that point and ready for the pile, but it got pushed to the front at that point. But, uh, but we, anyway, um, yeah, we, uh, we, now the, here, then it got a little a little more complicated because we had all these tour dates and we had a plan to film a DVD at the Georgia Theater, and it was sold out and it was the first show after they reopened because it had burned and been remodeled. And the way that it worked out, it was like okay, we have eight days in the studio at Echo Mountain, and then we have to go directly after the eighth day to Athens and play this show. And I was really worried. I was thinking, oh, that's a lot. That's singing every day, you know, for eight days and then going to play a show that's going to be captured uh, in perpetuity on the ninth day of singing without a break, you know. And, uh, and we went in, though. It was like, well, here's the, uh, here's the work order. Get it done. 
And we went in there and we made that damn record in eight days. Wow. And we, we recorded uh, 16 songs completely, I think. Clay Cook would remember. And, uh, and we wound up putting 13 on the record. So what, what didn't make it? Uh, we recorded the first version of Sunrise in Texas there. Okay. We recorded um, uh, Countryside of Life, Wet Willie song, which wound up being on the uh, deluxe edition of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, uh, it was the first time that we recorded Ain't Gonna Wait. And it was a full band version of that song, Electric Guitars. And uh, it just didn't quite... It didn't feel bad. It just, it didn't, it wasn't right. Something wasn't right. And then, so fast forward two records later, I was like, you know what? This song probably needs to be just deconstructed because it's a good song, um, I think. And that worked to, to break it down to acoustic guitar and mandolin and take the drums away. And, and the, that it was like, okay, now it speaks. So this is the show you're talking about, right? Yeah. So then we went directly from, from Asheville. Um, to Athens and film that show. I got a. I love Brian had the prop, props ready. Brian, kudos yeah, to you. Yeah, I didn't have. I do. Um, questions about a couple of songs. You know, One Horse Town. Uh, my wife and I. You know, specific, especially her really loves that song because we both grew up in small towns, rural mm -hmm. North Dakota. So that's that's really cool. Um, um, Crimson Moon is that autobiographical? Auto, if I could say the word, is that <laughs> autobiographical? Yeah, <laughs> we're professionals, um, Charlie. Not, not really. Um, it uh, it's just sort of a composite, you know, like a, it's it's sort of a little movie, I guess I was seeing, and um, and I had the the but the word banshee was stuck in my mind because when I was a, a little kid, my mom, we were uh, her family and. Uh, and my dad's family were from Randolph County, Alabama, way back, way out in the middle of nowhere. We Dowie in, in Roanoke, Alabama. And uh, it's there's a lot of foothills there. And I would imagine there's a lot of coyotes and shit in the in the forest and in the hills and in the woods, you know. And, and you hear all these strange sounds. And my great uncle, who sang bass in the Swanee River Boys and had a deep voice like this, uh, he would say, you hear that? That's the banshee. The banshee's going to get you. <laughs> and so I'd been dying to put that into a song. And so that's the song that it got put in. Nice. Love it. I want to go back to one horse town real fast and give kind of personal anecdote because I need this to be recorded for my friends. I live in Marysville, Ohio, right outside of Columbus. And I've been there many times. Yes, you have, sir. Um, this is where I'm going. Right. I was at a show uh, many years ago. They were downtown Columbus. You guys were playing. And right before you got into One Horse Town, you go, is anybody here from Marysville, Ohio? And my friend and I looked at each other. We're like, did he just say our people from Marysville? And we're like, you know, screaming. And you go, does yeah. anybody know Stephens? And I go, yes, I know Stephens. That's the type of bar I don't really go into as a married father of two kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, um, yeah. What do you know of Stephens and your experiences playing Marysville, Ohio? Well, we played there and we played Lee Dog's Locker Room. Yes. Do you remember that? It's now a Mexican restaurant. Okay. Um, I don't know that for some reason we went to Marysville regularly for a couple of years. 
Uh, well, when we were trying to establish ourselves as a, uh, a band that people would want to go see, you know, and yeah. uh, we, we sold a few tickets there. So it was, I guess the, the point then was, Hey, we did pretty well. We sold 150 tickets at Lee dogs locker room or Stefan's let's go back. So yeah. we would go back, got a lot of great funny stories. That was all, that was before any of us had, had uh, sobered up in any way, shape or form. So it was, it was wild uh, to the hilt kind of living. And I remember playing at Lee dogs in the little corner stage, you know, in the corner of the uh -huh. room, excuse me. And, um, and I, I, the other night I was talking to Britt about it because Lee dog came to a show. This was a few months ago. And I said, Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I said, am I correct in remembering that we were playing and a plumber came and was snaking the septic system while we were playing and he goes absolutely it was right in the middle of the dance floor and it ran everybody out of the club <laughs> uh, but, but i thought why were we still playing why would we not stop and be like you know what we're going outside until the plumber can finish <laughs> so that's a that's a strange one and then the, the second one was we were playing i forget w which place it was but in the middle of town it was on a saturday and before we started, they had, it was a, it was like a bike rally or a bike yeah. ride, but it was a Honda, Honda. Honda homecoming. Yes. That's yep. right. And and it was the quietest like motorcycle ride you've ever seen. Cause it was all these smooth riding Hondas just with a little. <laughs> meep, 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 meep. <laughs> yep. Anyway, you know, we have the biggest automobile Honda plant in North America, right? In Marysville, Ohio. So they celebrate okay. do that Honda homecoming every year. Oh, and it is the Honda, the quiet Honda. We're a very family town now. It's, 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 you know, it's uh, evolved past when we used to hang out here. Oh, and this is, sorry. This is the last, uh, the memory, these memories that stick out. They're, they have yeah. sharp, some of them have sharp edges. Uh, <laughs> and, and uh, this one, I remember, uh, there was some talk about an Amish gathering um, that turned ugly because it was it was discovered that bikers, not the Honda bikers, but like biker bikers, biker, yeah. had been selling cocaine to some of the Amish <laughs> teenagers. And All we during like, the wilding time, whatever that's called, right? The, yeah, the rum it was like rum spring. What? So it was like the 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 barn raising kind of. I'm like, wow, this is like some Sons of Anarchy kind of stuff. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. You could do a Sons of Anarchy spinoff series like yeah. Bikers versus Amish. And you guys already contributed songs to the soundtrack. I mean, yeah. it's just like part. Let's do it. Like, well, we, we can write this. That And when this happened was way before Sons of Anarchy. So, yeah, maybe we did. <laughs> well, well, speaking of cable shows and deluxe shows, if we're getting way off track, but we have the Marysville Women's Prison, which is a federal penitentiary here in town. And the Orange is the New Black series, if you remember, it's like Netflix yeah. series. The, the lady yeah. that wrote that was based on her was about her experience at the prison in Marysville. So it's like, okay. we're the heart of entertainment, I, I guess. It's a weird, weird thing. Yeah, apparently so. We just need, we need to get you back to play like an anniversary show. <laughs> yeah, I'm hip. So I've got some questions about the artwork, and I know that the Brit he, he handles all that or most of it, but I really yeah. do I like the picture in the woods. You guys are sitting in front on the log, and then on the back is kind of reminds me of Exile with the yeah. pictures like that. But 
Is this like a baptism? On the that back? is a baptism. That's a, that photograph, um, I told Britt um, when, uh, when he was putting all that together, I said, man, I have an idea. Um, and I don't generally get Brit. So he's, he's art director. He's so great at that's his passion, you know, his uh, artwork and he's a, he's a designer. So I said, man, um, I've got a really, I've got ideas about this one. Um, and one was that photograph. I, I had a book, uh, that my wife gave me for Christmas and it was, uh, photographs of river baptisms, um, all throughout the southeastern united states and it was that the, the company dust to digital um they published that book and that that photograph in particular was so spooky like those people are there they are in the water you know and it's like a i guess they're getting baptized one at a time by that preacher but they look i mean i guess nobody knew how to get their picture made back then <laughs> you know it was just like the whole is he stealing my soul? You know, but, <laughs> but they're, you know, and they all have like handlebar mustaches and it's so, uh, it's so strange and cryptic and weird. And then on the inside, uh, I thought that we should get, well, I, I had a picture of my grandfather and my grandmother. My grandfather's got a guitar, which I have in the closet in here. It's an old, uh, Gene Autry roundup guitar. And then my grandmother, has a guitar also and she's dressed like a cowboy and it's a it's a photograph from the 30s so it was very it was a joke and uh, i don't know my dad explained it to me he said this was really odd and funny because your grandmother has men's clothes on in this picture and that that didn't happen oh yeah 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 women women wouldn't be caught dead in a pair of pants back then and uh, but she had dressed up as a cowboy for halloween or something and and uh, so that's the so then everybody else went and gathered photographs of their grandparents or great grandparents and we filled all that's all our relatives on the inside uh, oh no so, kidding yeah another thing about uh the record or where echo mountain where he did the the studio you worked in a friend of ours chris kelly that was in a band called tennessee champagne coincident coincidentally enough named after the some of the lyrics in holy ghost um, yeah he just he wanted me to ask you like to have ask you to explain the studio like he said it was just gorgeous and i know you mentioned the yeah. church already yeah well we were all set up the drums were in the big sanctuary room right in the middle of the floor and we all were standing around the drums and they there were different little rooms like choir practice rooms where mic where um, amps were mic'd and i think brandon was in a separate he was definitely in a separate room with the with the baby grand piano and the organ um, and his little keyboard world with the different things that he has. Um, but I remember standing right, I was pretty close to Brit. Um, I always wanted to see him, you know. Um, and it, it, when I hear it, like especially the vinyl, I hear that room. I can hear when I, I remember while we would be working, I would take my headphones off and just listen to the sound of that great big room all that natural reverb. And that's the sound of that record. Mm -hmm. It's the sound of that great big room. Um, we wound up opening the doors. So the, and this is probably anti-effective, um, but we would open the doors to the amp rooms and let the amps get that room bleed into the drum mics. Um, at, least Interesting. It's, at least it's that way on a couple of songs. Um, 
because usually you're trying to prevent like the bleed between the that's you know, right the tra- stuff you're tracking yeah oh everything went out the window that record it was like let's try this oh you know what that, well i tell you what happened with that there was somebody left one of the doors open and and everybody was like oh that sounds awesome what's going on and so it was like leave it open man and we did that like on a song or maybe two songs and uh, it just it lent itself to the vibe of the proceedings well what's kind of cool about i guess you you know having an old church turned into recording studios these things these type of public buildings were built before pa systems and electronics and everything so they have like architecturally they're designed to carry sound right and like so you kind of get that natural acoustic i don't even know the word for it yeah um totally it's it's, it was just a great place to, I can't believe we haven't been back. Um, and we, we, I mean, we've made tons of records and you just go where, wherever the spirit takes you, I guess. But right. uh, um, anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was a great experience. I, uh, funny too. I remember looking up and singing a lot of those songs that have a lot of sort of religious imagery in there, you know, six ways to Sunday and even the whippoorwill the song and and looking up at those stained glass windows you know and it was like oh this is kind of surreal why did it did it have the religious undertones to it because of where you're playing or did you already sort of have those lyrics built in and if so why those lyrics were in there i don't know I, that okay. those kind of that kind of imagery sneaks into a lot of my songs i think it's just from my upbringing i, I actually had a funny enough uh when that record came out you know, it came out a, a little bit later in Europe because we didn't have, we, we wound up signing with Earache Records in Europe. And so they were a little bit later than the U.S. to release that. And we had a fan all of a sudden in Alice Cooper. And he interviewed me. We were in Austin, Texas, and I had to go do the interview on a, on a landline. I remember that was one of his producers. One of the caveats was he's got to be on a landline telephone. And so I did. And, and, uh, I love Alice Cooper. So I was blown away and I was really excited. And I knew that he's the son of a minister. And so I brought that up and before he did. And uh, <laughs> I knew he was gonna, but I yeah, wouldn't yeah. lead him to it. And he started, he started quoting lyrics from that, from our record that he had picked up um, about speaking in tongues and drinking strychnine. And, and I, I was so cool. And so, you know, I started asking him about his, you know, the, like, hallowed be thy name and no more Mr. Nice Guy and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, well, my dad was not only he was a minister, but he could also he could also tell you anything about rock and roll at that point. That's a cool minister. Yeah. So uh, um, I'd like to ask you about the, you know, the substance and the, the song, the whippoorwill and and also what, and I know the answer to this other question, but what is a whippoorwill? It's a bird. Um, and they make a sound, they, that's their, their, their tune. So it's like whippoorwill. But yeah. my, that song's about my grandmother. And uh, she was just such an amazing Southern woman. Uh, just she is amazing. I never heard her say one bad thing about another human being, not one wow. time. And I spent a lot of time with her because she, her place was the home place. That's where 
you know, my, my mother and father divorced. And so there was a lot of back and forth with, with that, with, you know, that goes along with divorced situations. And I spent so much time, more time with, at my grandmother's house than, well, maybe not more, but anyway, that was home base really. It still is. That's where my dad lives now, but, uh, and she was the matriarch, you know, the, the best cook. And she played the piano and the mandolin and taught me about music. And she played piano and organ in church and sang gospel songs and extremely religious and extremely forthright and good and went and visited shut in people every Tuesday, you know, and took them home cooked meals and was a member of the WMU and all the things that these little Southern grannies do, you know, and go on Friday and get their hair done for the weekend for, for, uh, Sunday, you know, and got to look good for church. Yeah. But she taught me, uh, she was very calm. I never heard her raise her voice and, um, she's just, she was a good one. And, uh, I remember, uh, well, she would teach, I was a little kid and she was teaching me about, about these different bird sounds once. It's just a, it's just a funny little memory, you know? And she's like, there's a, there's one called a Bob White that was like, mm -hmm. yep. And then the whippoorwill. And, and then uh, she told me, you know, how mockingbirds, they cackle and they do, they make all kinds of sounds, you know? And she also told me, I remember she pointed out and it's true. And I see it all the time now when I pay attention that mockingbirds are fearless, they go after hawks and uh, crows and anything that they feel like is threatening their, their little ones. Um, but she also taught me how to, how to consume a honeysuckle plant. You know, you take it and you pull the little, the little stem out and you get the one drop. There's one drop in there. You better get it because it's, there's only one. And I remember recording this and uh, that song and Zach, we did the vocals, uh, just the two of us. Well, and Matt Mangano and, and uh, the vocal tracks. And, and he said, man, I really love that line right there. And I said, what's, what's that? And he said, the one about the honeysuckle. And he said, well, there's only one damn drop in there. If you had a whole cup of it, it wouldn't mean shit. But that <laughs> one drop is so precious. Well, and you even have the line too of, have you heard the whippoorwill sing? Well, I'm trying to get this right in my head here. Right? And is I don't know what I'm saying. Brian, take over for me. I lost my train of thought, Charlie. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were mentioning shows earlier. I'm wondering like how you guys got hooked up with Yellowstone, which also uh, Whiskey Myers has music on there. And that'll segue yeah. to another question. Um, I'm not really sure. I, uh, I don't know if Taylor Sheridan himself reached out or if maybe um, uh, a person that works on his team, you know, um, as far as music supervisor, but um, I think that I've, I think that we had actually crossed paths with him uh, when we did the Sons of Anarchy stuff. We played a couple of shows for them out in California, the charity, the charity rides um, for the Sons of, with the Sons of Anarchy um, cast. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, and I could very well be because I am quite often, but I think Taylor Sheridan was involved in that, that whole thing, both of those things. So I think moving forward, maybe because they used a couple of songs in Sons of Anarchy too. Um, but I, I was really surprised. I remember getting the call first from our manager and he said, Hey, so there's going to be two songs 
in this new show that Kevin Costner's in. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, they're going to use, uh, I forget the first two that they used. Um, anyway, uh, I said, oh, that's crazy. And he said, I said, what, what kind of show is it? And he said, it's a Western. And I was like, really? And then he said, and this is just me. I mean, what do I know? He's like, yeah. I said, what's it on? He said, uh, some channel called the Paramount Network. And I was like, never heard of it. This sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just didn't know, you know, um, I haven't had cable myself in a long time. It's all stream, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. And, uh, and so the time comes where it's going to, the show's coming on. And I watched it and I was hooked in 10 seconds. I was like, oh my God, this show is great. And, uh, and then it, I was like, well, I've been living under a rock. I, I'm not as, I'm not hip like, like many other people, but, uh, but then they wound up using 11 songs. So, and then the second part of the question, you know, Whiskey Myers uh, has music on there. You guys at the Firewater Festival. I'm wondering about any uh, back history camaraderie between you guys and them. You know, I think for me, you guys and Whiskey Myers are the flagships of this kind of music. So, Oh, thank you. Uh, we've known them a long time. Um, they, we, um, we've done a lot of shows together over mm -hmm. the years. Um, I think the first time might have been in uh, Chicago at a... Uh, do you remember this club in Chicago called Joe's on Weed Street? That's where no. uh, first time we played there was with we we were opening for Cross Canadian Ragweed, and uh and that club it holds about a thousand people maybe, maybe less I'm not sure maybe eight hundred. That's where all like the Americana kind of bands would play. Okay. And, uh, and so we opened for Ragweed there, and then with Stony Larue who's another red dirt guy. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we played there and whiskey Myers came and opened for us. And I, I thought of them as they were very kind of red dirt, Texas, you know, kind of band. And, uh, but they were great. And um, we played with them a handful of times after that. And um, never a full on tour. We've done shows here and there with them a bunch and they're doing really well. They just blew up, you know, and, um, just really good dudes. So also, uh, I want to ask you about one other artist and also produced by Dave Cobb, at least his first couple records, but uh, Shooter Jennings. Mm -hmm. I miss Shooter Jennings in the 357s. I know yeah. he's done a lot of different experimental kind of stuff, but uh, any crossing paths with him? or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we play, we toured with them actually some uh, back when it was the original band with Leroy and Ted and and Brian and Shooter and... Um, that was, those were good times. They, they broke through, um, you know, with a, with a real freedom. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with obviously shooter. Uh, it doesn't hurt to, to be, you know, royalty really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so people would be, um, and, and shooters very brazen and very, um, uh, he's, he's going to do it his way, just like his dad. He doesn't know any other way. That's the, that was, that's the, uh, the way he watched it all go down, you know, as my dad does whatever the hell he wants. And, uh, and so he came, he kind of came in and he came in strong, you know, those first two records are just so fantastic. The songs are so good. And, and uh, it was really refreshing to, to watch him do that. We didn't know Dave back then either. And he was coming from here, from Atlanta. He was in a band, um, uh, uh, a rock band here. Um, but yeah, yeah. we had some good times with him. 
So you guys just got done playing the Firewater Festival, as Brian said here over the weekend, which was a, a fantastic build top to bottom. I know Thunderbolts mm -hmm. had to drop out to do the European tour, but some of those young bands, anybody catch your attention that that you got to hear? Yeah, I, them Dirty Roses. I thought they were oh, yeah. really, really good. That's yeah. yeah. I heard uh, I'd heard about them and heard a little bit of their stuff online, um, and it's it's it was really good. But that live was even even better oh i've we've seen them play live a couple bunch yeah. of times and andrew and those guys have been times. on but they yeah. are characters though they are <laughs> yeah you know, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was good it was and they went on really early uh, and uh luckily i went i went down to to see them um yeah and spent the whole day and then um nikki lane was great um, oh yeah 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 I, I, I didn't catch um i i saw them dirty roses and then i had to leave and then okay. I came back and saw her and some of the old 97s. And then we played. Okay. Oh um, yeah. The old 97s have been around a bit. Yeah. They were great. I, they're always good. I've seen them. Yeah. Seen them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah the, the Dirty Roses. I, they're like you guys. They, they have like the classic rock, rock sound. They blend a little bit of Southern and country into it. And it just comes out in a really enjoyable um, dish, I guess. I'll yeah. I, I was, they have the big riffs, you know, and I love big mm -hmm. riffs and they, and they were, big heavy you know thing but what i was most uh, impressed with was the way their show flowed uh they really had it they really got it down i was like oh this is nice they're seamless for the first few songs and uh kind of changing a little bit of the groove and it was good it was a good good band yeah they're road dogs they are always always playing a show i think we talked to andrew a couple months ago again ryan he said yeah. they slept in their bed like two times this yeah. year or something we know that but, yeah dig it and, you know, Andrew loves Slash and Jimmy Page, and you can hear that in his playing. And, like, as a guitar player, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, he's really great. So I have a – getting back around to the Whipper real Will, again, um, what was the audience in your fans' reaction to that? Because to me, probably you're – it's a cla it's a modern classic album, but how – what was the reception from the fans for it? Well, I remember at that point um, we had a um, – well, there was MySpace, and, the, and on our website, oh, yeah. our website, we had a forum um, where people could go on a message board. And I wish that I had taken screenshots of that message board because a lot of our fans hated it. And it what? Broke, yeah, it broke my heart because you know they had been they had been waiting so long for a new record, um, and I don't think we had been playing. Well, we had been playing Sleeping Dogs and Ain't Much Left of Me at shows um and i can't remember if, if maybe a couple more i'm not sure but it, most of these songs they hadn't heard yet um but i remember one guy was like uh it's not heavy enough and i thought well is any of our other shit really heavy i mean we're not pantera you know right <laughs> um i got maybe he thought that's where he wanted us to go was to be yeah. a heavier band, but you know, I'm like we're not a metal band. I mean, I, I love metal, but that's not what we do. Um, right. I, I remember, uh, I, I shouldn't say, let me, let me back up. Hold on. Not every, I don't, I don't mean that everybody hated it. I mean, there were some haters and that what, I guess my point is there will always be some haters. Of course. <laughs> I, that dude that um, said that he also wrote a review with all the songs on the message board, things he liked about the songs and things he didn't. And he didn't like a lot of them. He was just like, mm. um, didn't like 
uh, I remember he said, he was like, I don't understand the whippoorwill. Is this some kind of Pink Floyd hippie song? And, and, uh, and then I don't know. I, I, none, I was just like, well, this, we're not for you then. <laughs> Why are you here? Um, but then to go back, you know, um, it would be nice to be able to, for people who really love it to go like, like that guy, for example, and be like, well, why did you hate it so badly then? If you love it now, why did you write this, sir? <laughs> <laughs> but no, for the most part, um, it was all, it was positive. And uh, there's a lot of songs on it. It's a long album, you know, it's 13 yeah. Yeah. songs. And uh, that worried me a little at first. I thought that's a lot to ask of people to sit down and listen to an album this long, you know, cause we were getting closer and closer to the, you know, cause here's, here's iTunes already by yeah, the peak streaming. Yeah. 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 Streaming has become more of a thing. And, yeah. um, but, uh, I remember being like, well, I don't, Zach was like, well, what song do you want to cut off? And I said, none, I don't want to cut any of them off. So it tells a great story. I'm glad you didn't because I, you, you mentioned something and I know Brian has a question. Sorry, Brian. Um, you would might, you question the tracking, right. The order of the tracks. And I'm like, I think it tells a really good story from beginning to end and fits out really, really well. Yeah. So I'm glad you kept everything. And then yeah. jumping over Brian's question. Sorry, Brian, again, what would you have switched up in the order? Anything? Nothing. I was joking about that. It just okay. looking at it now, because I don't listen, to, I haven't listened to the album in sure. a long time. And, uh, and when I, I was looking, I was writing out the set list and was like, wait a minute, ain't much left to me is fourth. I mean, yeah, we, that's your closer. That's your closer. Your yeah, show. it's a funny thing that that song and it wasn't planned, but it became our show closer. Um, I, it just it just happened. It wasn't. Well, that works as a show closer because you guys oftentimes stop in the middle of it and you go into like a yeah. cover, a really cool, and then you come back and it's like hell of a way to close a rock show. It's great. Yeah, I, and it and it just became a tradition to play it last. Um, but we're not going to play it last on this tour. <laughs> You're not going to do it twice. You're not going to play it like in the whole play again. What we should do is just play it to the solo and stop and then play the whole rest of the show. And at the very end, come back. back to oh, that is a, that is a really good idea. That is a good, like the last show of the tour. You should totally do that. Yeah. That's with people's minds. Well, it'd be like Clarence Carter. I remember somebody telling me that he used to play stroke in three times in his show. Well, I was going to say, like, I do know of like bands who have a smaller catalog or have done the same song. Like have, have you ever seen anybody do that? Like play the same song in the same I time? haven't. No. <laughs> You have to do, you've got to do that. Stop now and we play have the rest to. and come back. You did so <laughs> right. good. Yep. So I know we're winding <laughs> down on time here. And before you guys get to the guitar talk section of it, um, just a couple things. I don't know if you know Cage DeVille and the, the band River Ghost out of Nashville, but he told me to say hi. Um, oh. Um, but um, as a resident of Fargo, North Dakota, I want to say I'm so thankful that you guys came to the Fargo Brewing Company yeah besides the railroad tracks conjured up the spirit of the orange blossom special and played for us that was really freaking awesome Thanks that was a great time here. thank you yeah that was a fun show <laughs> the the combined the combined aroma of pizza cigar and weed and it was fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> the american dream all three things right they had a train yeah and the train to boot <laughs> uh, all right we're doing guitar stuff brian is that what we're doing yep all right, Charlie, we had a really good gear talk last time, so I will condense it a little bit so we don't repeat ourselves and okay. ignore you. But 
uh any new gear uh pedals amps guitars you've, you've grabbed recently yes i have uh well that um 73 telecaster custom nice um, it's the you know it has the seth lover uh wide range humbucker in the neck yep it's beat to hell it's really it's really a cool one um i got um you can't see it but there's a a 67 50 watt base circuit plexi over here and if you've never played through a real plexi a real marshall plexi 67 68 that's that's what you want there's nothing like it and when you i brought it home and plugged it into a cabinet that has two greenbacks in it and it's like god reached down and <laughs> and turned it on is it the sound the feel the vibration all the above everything, everything. it's Feedback, the way yeah. it the way it responds to the, your your touch and and the how hard you pick the strings and mm -hmm. it's just exactly it's almost like when you're when people are talking about bursts and how there was a window of time where the people who built gibson guitars just they just captured lightning in a bottle same mm -hmm. thing with Marshall amplifiers in 1967, 68. Um, yeah, unbelievable. A couple of little tricks, and I can't tell you because they're tricks, but I, I didn't <laughs> know this. Uh, Keith Nelson from Buck Cherry, a good friend of mine, he's like, here's two things you need to know about that amp and what you need to do to it. And I said, okay. And he told me over the phone, and I did it and was like, oh, my God. Okay. Well, this is what the... Uh, when giants walk the earth, this is what they used. Is that going on tour with you on this anniversary tour? No, I think I'll keep it here because they're, okay. you know, they're extremely expensive now. And, you know, old marshals, I, I've, I've had a handful of old marshals in my, in my years and uh, they get temperamental. Yeah. Um, you going to so record I, with it then? Like you're going to do some yeah. tracks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a really good old one. It's a 76. That's what on the song, live it down. That's what you hear at the beginning. It's got a nice. Oh, a great. Nice yeah. 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 Great, yeah. Big, great, big, nasty shit. Maybe uh brother, Greg Martin can borrow you one of his. He's got so many. Well, ones. I know. And I, and I've been, I was pressuring him to sell me one and he's, <laughs> well, I love them all. I don't want to sell one. <laughs> Quit being such a pack rat, Greg. Come on. Yeah. Sell Charlie one. Totally. So, Whipper Will second album you're doing the tour um you know you've been playing a long time collecting a lot of gear probably didn't have as much stuff as you did for the recording of the Whipper Will so where I'm going is what are we taking out on tour for this anniversary um show what do the rig look like it'll be the same um same as what I've been using for a while um you know right after we made the record and went on tour is when I started using Germino amps i had been using mm -hmm. orange mm -hmm. um, and what I was using at that point, the orange rig that I had, I had two different ones. I had an orange Tolex one and a black Tolex one. And they were the 6V6 amps. Mm -hmm. uh, and then those got discontinued. And then they started to use, sorry, orange, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. They guitar centered themselves and started to use yeah. cheaper components, cheap caps, a lot of stuff from China. Um, and my amp started breaking down and it was making me furious. And I'd be in the middle of a show and both my amps would go down, not the main one and a backup. And I actually, uh, I was complaining one day 
to Keith Nelson. And he said, I tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Greg Germino from Graham, North Carolina, who makes Plexi clones and they're hand wired and they're, they're tanks. Not only do they sound like they're supposed to sound, they are touring amps because they're, they're bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, with all new iron in them and, you know, new stuff. Uh, uh, and he did, and I never looked back. Nice. Okay. I use Germinos and Echo Park amps, and I do have Marshalls in boxes too that I love. And um, but sorry, Orange. <laughs> Listen, they got up their quality, right? But British amps, so Orange Marshall Vox. So, what what is it about the Brits who just designed and made good amps back in the day? Oh no, they had a they had a recipe. I sh I should back back up a little bit and say. Um, Paul was using the uh, the OR50. It was a custom shop hand-wired orange. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. And it didn't yeah. break down either. And uh, I don't know what he did with it, um, but I would like to have it. I might steal it from him. So I, I, it's, Jimmy it's, Page it's, used orange, didn't he, for a while? Yeah. Page did? It's yeah. the same kind of thing. I think orange developed, as a company, they developed like, like you will have Orange USA and then Custom Shop, who makes the really good stuff. Right, for it sure. It happens a lot. I think Martin is that way too, you know, and Gibson. And it's just oh, kind of shakes down. Well, you got to have your entry or normal level stuff and then like the professional yeah. and collector level stuff, right? I mean, just it's a good business model. And I, if you list on the last record, um, Dave let me use, uh, it was an old, I think it's called an OR100. It's the graphics only orange head. It's a, it's a vintage one, like from 70. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's... Um, Oh, what song did we use that on? Uh, I can't remember. It was a big, big riff. Oh, it's uh, All Rise Again. Okay. Uh, so it's the, uh, the really, you know, and the really big kind of nastiness and uh, loud. That song, All Rise Again, I think it captures the spirit of, of a little bit of the Southern Harmony album. Like it's got that, it's got a little bit of that feel to it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that riff, I was just kind of sitting around playing it, and then it, it, I was talking to Warren Haynes uh, right after it that day, and it's like, man, we were talking about writing songs, and he's like, yeah, you want to knock some ideas around together? I said, I do, and I, I have this one I just played today. It's this riff, and it sounds like you. And uh, not far removed from Warren or from, you know, from – the crows or whoever just it's kind of what's in the water down here but um yeah for sure so remember, guitar wise oh i'm sorry go ahead Charlie. finish oh no i i, I was uh yeah that was just such a strange time to be stuck at home and then i thought well it could be worse i, I get to pick warren haynes's brain so that's <laughs> that's a good thing well, well, uh, an awful awful thing man what a that dude is amazing yeah um, guitar. So what are you taking on the, on the road with you? I mean, I know you've again, changed, changed what you take. Are you going back to that, that junior that you've like kind of your, your classic guitar yeah. or what, what are you taking? Oh, it's always there. It, it never yeah. gets left at home. Um, it'll you be the there. B bender. You got a B bender, yeah, right? For B -bender. Like pretty little eyes. And yeah. 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 That same B bender. I haven't changed much. I've just added things, you know? Um, uh, yeah, just, I've, I've, I take about 10 guitars on the road and, I'll kind of rotate them out. I've been really enjoying this white Falcon that I picked up. It's a 71. Um, and it's really, it's got that, that, that Gretsch thing, you know, 
that that was on Rich, when you opened with All Over the Road in Fargo, right? Yeah, that's right. With the White Falcon. Yeah, Rich Robinson is rubbing up on you, I think. Well, he and I were talking about it, and I and I was I'd been on the hunt for one. This is a couple of years ago, and uh, I said, "Man, um, well, his brother had one and sold it. Chris had one and sold it. Really? Yeah. And um, and uh, I missed it. I didn't get. I didn't buy it. He he. I talked to. Him. He's like, I just sold one. I'm like, what? And he said, Yeah, I had a '59. I'm like, Well, Jesus Christ. Well, he didn't know I was looking for one. You know. He goes, Ask my brother. He's got tons of that shit. So I called Rich and he said, no, I don't have, he said, I got some new stuff, but all my old ones got, well, he had two, I think old ones that got ruined in the flood in Weehawken. And uh, he said, but I have two custom shop ones that are really good new ones. And I said, uh, okay, those are super expensive. You know, there is a, yeah. as expensive as a vintage one, um, but they're great. But then this one popped up for sale, the 71, which is not really a, the most desirable era it's the baldwin era you know mm -hmm. and uh i called him and asked him about it was a stereo one too and i said you had a double cut one i see it in the uh in the who killed that bird on your windowsill video when they're recording southern harmony he goes yeah that was a 72 is my he goes actually it's my favorite one i ever had i said really he said yeah there's something about those 70s pickups that's good Huh. Uh, so I picked this one up at a at a good deal, and he was right. That's great. He has his own like model of Gresh, doesn't he? That White Falcon didn't they didn't they release like the Rich Robinson model this past year? Yeah, it's blue. I got he gave me one. It's the Magpie Falcon. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, I remember reading something about that. Yeah, yeah it's really so how's cool. it fly? Is it? It's great. It's huge. It's like a it's, it's a big fat falcon body, and uh, sounds great, fantastic. But it's not white. Which blows my mind because he's known for playing the, the white one. Yeah, he's got a white one, black one, blue one, green, even one of the green ones, the, uh, what did they call it? The uh, penguin. <laughs> he has one of every guitar ever made. <laughs> he does. He continuously is like, look what I found. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like three days ago, look what I found. <laughs> you, you know, he's got that Live Nation money rolling in right now. He's well, going to buy some more gear. He's a guitar lover, man. He's a, and, and gear lover. And he'll, yeah. he'll, he, he's funny. You know, he might be like, I don't care about that. And I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know better than that. You sure damn do care. <laughs> I, I would, I would assume it'd be a lot of pressure to be his guitar tech too. Cause every song, different guitar tuning, capo, all that. It's gotta be yeah. pressure. There's a lot. I mean, but man, there's just, I was talking to Luther the other day. We played a show with the North Mississippi All-Stars down in Birmingham and and then in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. And he said, how did you like that, man? How did you like your your time, you know, with those guys? I said, man, I loved it. He said, me too, man. He goes, playing those songs and playing with Rich. Just the sound of his playing is so inspiring. And he's like, it's like, you can't play a bad you can't play a bad note over what he's playing. Everything you play sounds right. I said, yeah, man, it's special. And to watch the two of them operate together after being apart for so long, you know, and to watch them do their thing together is just magical. Well, two different kind of styles of play. Nobody plays like Luther anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's, you know? he's on his own animal. So I'm going to get back to the black crow stuff real fast. I know we're probably at time with you, but I have, I have to get this out here. So when, 
we're in a group, a chat group with like the guys from State of America, Black Crow podcast and a bunch of hardcore mm-hmm. Black Crows fans. And we were all waiting on that 1972 album streaming thing to happen. We know everybody knows Isaiah's gone. So we're all te- like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I'm like, I said it, Brian, and you can back me up. It would be awesome if a Charlie Starr shows up. And lo and behold, you're there. The image gets there. Our text group, everybody cheers and gave you kudos. Not a bad word was said about you, including your tone was the mark for like. So I'm giving you like probably the highest compliment you can hand. The hardcore Black Crows people were like, holy shit, Charlie Starr with the Crows was amazing. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. It was uh, definitely uh, a highlight of of my career. It was really... And that's a critical group, man. Like, Crows fans are some of the most critical people on the planet. They are. And I knew going in, I'm like, well, um, I told my wife, you know, as I was leaving, I was like, get ready to... I might get a couple of black eyes. <laughs> Somebody's going to try to burn your house down while you're gone. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm not Mark Ford. And that's, you know, that's the... Uh, He's, well, I wore uh, my Mark Ford. For I sure see that. He, I mean, he's uh, he set the bar so fucking high. He's just such a beautiful musician, such a great player, and uh, he, it's there's no there's no replacing Mark Ford. You know, you of just course come, not. In come in and uh, I, I I enjoyed it so much. I enjoy his his playing and his parts, and uh, you know, it's the whole thing. I was talking to to a couple of buddies about how I how much I respect Ron Wood. I respect the way that he plays Mick Taylor stuff because he plays what you want to hear, what your ears love, the, uh, you know, pieces of the music that Mick Taylor yeah. played, but he's got enough freedom in there to make it, to play it like Ronnie would. And uh, I think that's the, that's the most respectful way to play somebody else's music is like, it's not necessary to be like, I'm going to make this my fucking own because this is me. You know what I mean? Right, that's, right, right. Yeah. To me, that's selfish. It's like, well, I don't think that the ticket buyer really bought a ticket to hear your interpretation of, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just my opinion. You need um, to play and, like with. Yeah. And I respect Mark Ford's playing and his and the, the, the you know, what he created in that band and the, his solos and his parts. They're beautiful. They don't need to be changed. Uh, you know, and it would be boring to play it like a cover. You know that. Anyway, my point, and it's only my opinion, is that Ronnie Wood does a re- very good job of being respectful to the part, but also right. having, having enough freedom Look, to go, hey, man. Also, there's this. And, and that seems to be like Black Crow's mo with these musicians because they have a lot of people have changed from keyboard players to guitarists and everybody seems to be allowed to put their own flavor as long as it's tasty yeah. and done within the song what did what did rich tell you coming into this gig did he just like did he give you anything and just like charlie you know this shit do it yeah nothing i mean no 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 direction just like um just play you know play what play what feels natural um and that's it you know i think that it, most it, it, most of the people they get to play with them, they know that, you know, they don't ever get a guitar player that's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to play all this like Steve Howe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, we even caught in the, on camera, on video, Rich looking over and smiling at you on a solo. And that is about as probably as good as praise as you can get from him. Oh, well, I love that dude, man. Because, I mean, you know, he's so intense. He's focused 
on and I remember an interview with him like like you look like you're angry on stage he's like no I'm concentrating because I'm sort of the musical director and I'm thinking yeah. he doesn't show a lot of emotion and like he looked over and smiled at you and like holy shit like Charlie nailed it oh that's good man and that <laughs> tone on that gold top was awesome oh thanks that's a new one that's a that's a Murphy that is another oh. speaking of gear you asked about gear that's another I got that right before um right before we started the shows and uh uh, it's a really good one. It, it the tone was dialed in like it was vintage. It's it complimented him and the rest of the band. So like it was, we were so excited to see you play with them and play that well. It was just it, it was cool. I mean, it just and then they said, hey, like they introduced you as a rock star. Like what? Did, how does that feel when they're on this thing? Like, hey, we got an actual rock star with us. Oh, I, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't hear that. Uh, oh, you didn't? No. It, that was just so, it was so much fun. Um, just the whole, and that was very, con that, uh, uh, spontaneous, that whole thing too, at the whiskey, because, uh, it was, you know, playing the, I didn't have anything to do with recording, you know, that yeah, yeah. record in the, and, uh, that was, I don't think they had played any of those songs live either. And I hadn't nope. either at that point. I, mean, I played rocks off in Blackberry smoke before, but right. Um, never played the slider and, uh, in the moon age daydream yeah. yeah and i think you you took the lead on that one i think you like smoked it really if i remember that that performance correctly such a good song um that was really cool I, that's the blackberry blackberry smoke played the whiskey years ago one time it's so tiny it's tiny in there right um the stage is so small it doesn't look like it when you watch video but it's tiny and uh i remember thinking because uh, the way that my aunts were pointed, they wound up being pointed right at Chris. And uh, I remember thinking, I don't want to, I mean, it's rock and roll. It's loud, you know, when guitar players mm -hmm. are loud, but I'm not trying to uh, make Chris have a bad gig, you know, and I said, Hey man, am I killing you? And he goes, no, but thank you for fucking asking. <laughs> <laughs> Cause his brother just, everything's still 11. <laughs> well, they're loud. I mean, they're, they're, uh, They've always been, a, I remember seeing them, you know, at the Fox in 92 and, uh, and again in 94. And I saw them at the center stage in 91, twice, once with Junkyard and once with Burning Tree. I've seen them a lot. Yeah, we talked about that in the last yeah. time you were on because I was wearing my Junkyard shirt. And uh, about the time of Amorica, 94 at the Fox, it was, it was Motorhead loud on stage. <laughs> Great. They were playing, they had moved on from Marshall's to the the uh, matchless and i think rich was playing those matchless chieftains which mm -hmm. are 200 watt amps it was ungodly so i think that his point then was like this is nothing compared to what i've been through in the last sure 30 years <laughs> <laughs> the only guy that's ever asked them is it too, am i killing you yeah but they don't play small music you know the black crows no. they play big music it's not about <laughs> it's not about uh they're not, they're not going to be, you know, being, they're not a, they're not going to play their, their tiny little, you know, tiny little yeah. music. Right. It's, well, it's like you guys, I mean, you guys play big music. You've got a nice full band. You've got now three guitar players, keyboard, like it's, it is big and it is very similar to like the Crows. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's impactful, you know, go and see these bands now that like don't use amps on stage. They use Kempers and stuff and God bless them, yeah. whatever to each his own. I'm not trying to throw shade on them. I'm just saying that I'm not interested in that because it's not as impactful. 
well, there's something to be said too at a live show, like you're on Rich's side or somebody else's side, you could feel and hear the amp, not even through the PA, like it, like you're living it. That's right. Thunder. Love it. Thunder. Thunder. And that's why now I have to wear hearing protection with shit because I've blown my ears. That's right. But there's something about it. I remember watching Hank Williams Jr. This was a couple of years ago. We were on this country festival in Dothan, Alabama, and I was standing with J.J. Gray. He had played and then we had played. And he's like, have you ever seen? He goes, I got to go see Hank Jr. I said, have you never seen Hank Jr.? It's a crazy, crazy situation because you never know what he's going to do. He's out of his mind. There's no telling what he's going to say. He's probably going to piss everybody off. But one thing is they are loud as hell because he's so loud. His vocals and the wedges, his guitar, it's loud. I mean, it's Van Halen loud. And uh, it's like, I, but I, I mean, and sometimes it's just not, it's out of control. You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And we went up there and it was awesome. It was really musically good. And, uh, and he looks at me and goes, I thought you said it wasn't that good. I said, I didn't say that. I said it was crazy, but it's not crazy tonight. It's still loud, but it was very focused that night. And it was song after song after song after song. I, I just and, saw Tesla the, this last summer and they were really, I've seen them lots before, but they were like yeah. loud. super loud. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I, I love to feel it. I have to cut the hearing a little bit these days, but I, I like that feel. And you don't get that with a Kemper running direct, you know, all that other stuff. I mean, sure, it's yeah. a lot easier to tour with, but man, it is, you're not living the music as much when you're right in front of the stage. Yeah, and then, you know, to way out front in front of the PA, it doesn't matter, but but back, back and on the stage too. I want to feel that yeah. under my feet, you know. Yeah, for sure. Charlie, I know you wanted to do an hour. Do you have a couple quick more minutes or are, you, are we at time? Um, we're at time, if you don't mind. I, I got to go no. uh, get my kid from school. No, go get your kid from school. Uh, we appreciate you being on. Um, the tour starts on Friday, the 7th of October in Cleveland. Yep. I will see you Saturday, October 9th, 8th in Cincinnati. Looking forward okay. to that. Yeah. My homeland. Um, where do where do you want us to go to send people to get tickets and, and find out more about your tour? BlackberrySmoke.com. All right. You heard it, Brian. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. My wife and I are talking about maybe going to the show in Austin. So hopefully we'll do that. But thank you so much for yeah. being on again and spending time with us. It means the world to us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Charlie Starr, for joining us again. Uh, you can never say uh, too many good things about him. Um, one thing that uh, I want to say that I think is very cool that he took the time to well, besides talking to us, but he at Firewater watched uh, them Dirty Roses play and gave them some great compliments. And I can't wait for those guys to hear that. They deserve it. You know, you and I both have seen them live and it's a great show, great music. They put their heart and soul into it. And I'm so glad somebody like Charlie recognized that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. You know, and I just I wanted to say like, yeah. Hey, how about uh, they open up for uh, like a year tour? <laughs> they, they, you know, it's it's going to be very possible because if I don't know if they played with them at the sh I don't think they did play with them at the shed. That was the Thunderbolts. But, you know, the first time we had them on, you asked the question, how do you pick your openers? And there's a couple of things. One, yeah. it's we pick them or something comes to us. It just happens. So it's it's mm -hmm. very possibility. They're already on the radar. We may see them Dirty Roses get some some um, opening slots. That would be Never fantastic. Know. It would be good. I'd love to see Goodbye June and Blackberry Smoke play together. Yeah, that'd be great too. Yeah, that it would be, be great. Charlie was awesome though. Like, 
I love talking gear and, and, and music and talking about the, the stuff with the crow, you know, with the crows. I thought that was two favorite subjects, Blackberry Smoke mm -hmm. and the Black Rose. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. No, it's cool hearing him talk about the whiskey. And I knew the whiskey is small, but I didn't realize it was like that small. But hey, um, and also like <laughs> when he's talking about all these old Marshall heads and I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe try to get one from Brother Greg Martin. Well, I've been trying to buy one from him, but he won't stay. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But it, it's great. So again, everybody who's listening, today is the first day of the, sh of the tour. Go online. Find out where they're playing close to you. Get your tickets. You do. I mean, they're they're probably never going to do this ever again. So get your tickets. Get your tickets. And uh, when you're getting your tickets, always remember: Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 